I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show for April 21st, 2013. And tonight, we will not be talking about anything the New York Post says on any page other than six, after they falsely identified two random Boston Marathon attendees as terrorists in a cover photo on the front page of their contemptible and apparently entirely unedited birdcage liner. Mm, indeed. We will also not be discussing the ungrateful whining of alleged libertarians over the fact that Bostonians were asked not to go outside while law enforcement officers worked desperately to prevent a homicidal lunatic terrorist from blowing up more bombs in the middle of their city. Aww. And we will not be discussing the rumored Friends reunion because, A, Jennifer Aniston says it isn't happening, so that sounds like the kiss of death to yeah. us. Mm -hmm. And, B, we think that NBC should focus on developing the shows they actually have on the air, mm. like last night's GLAAD Award winner, The New Normal, mm -hmm. and maybe even trying to develop other shows to go with that show that don't involve singers or revolving red chairs and are, you know... Good. Maybe. And in light of the L.A. County Department of Public Health's announcement this Friday that the strain of meningitis that killed a West Hollywood man has no connection to the strain that killed several people in New York City last year, we will not be discussing the meningitis outbreak in Los Angeles because there is, in fact, no meningitis outbreak in Los Angeles. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. Finally, we will be among the tiny minority of people in Hollywood who will not be scraping some vague acquaintance with Boston to make the recent hideous terror bombing about us. Mm -hmm. Our hearts go out to those who are actually affected by this tragedy, and Boston, we salute your tenacity and resolve in the wake of this unspeakable horror. Indeed. But aside from that, everything else is still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. Here to deliver tonight's provocation is ordained nun, published author, and renowned teacher in the tradition of Shut a Fuck Up Buddhism, Inedia Break. Let us sit deeply and calmly in the now, letting the breath of clarity wash our minds and fill us with the truth of the present moment. As it cleanses us of distractions and cravings, let it open us to the absolute nowness of now, where our mother is very far away in St. Louis 
and where we have the power of choice not to take her calls after 10 p.m. When she appears to be focused solely on how much we allegedly murdered our father by disappointing him. Let us breathe in thoughts of love, compassion, and the present. And let us breathe out fantasies of tricking our mother into stepping into an abandoned refrigerator in a junkyard and then taping the door shut, even if the tape is held together by the fabric of forgiveness. Breathe, breathe, and return to the dinner party at hand. Return to Christopher and Eric and their special guest, and turn away gently from the simple fact that your mother, despite having so many opinions about what everyone else should be doing, no longer has any living brothers or sisters, which means few people would miss her if she suddenly went missing. Breathe, sit presently. Open your chest and your posture to the dinner party at hand, to its special hosts and its special servings, and know that in order to release the negative, toxic emotions of clinging and hate, it is necessary to lean into them just a little bit. Not to resist. But to envision very briefly a world in which a judgmental God calls your mother to task for every accusation she has ever made. But once the world has been envisioned, release it and return to the party and the now. Namaste. I love Buddhism. Right? It's so violent. Who knew? No, it's not violent. It's not violent. You recognize the dark thoughts and then you release them to the universe, but you don't pretend like you're not having them. That's what I like about. That's what I like about Anidia Barake. You don't pretend. You think other religions are basically about pretending that they're not horrible? I think so. And Buddhists are pretending that they're not that human. They are horrible. Pretending that they're not human. There are certain religions that are about this idea of transcending what is human, whereas I think Buddhism is about leaning into Which religions it are about that? Breathing. I don't want to talk about religion. Do you still have to go to the bathroom? You turned to me about 30 seconds before the show started and went, I have to go to the bathroom, as if this were you know, somebody else's I believe studio that, and we had I believe just been allowed in. The reason in. that you knew it was 30 seconds before was because what I said was, I have to go to the bathroom, but since it's 30 seconds when the, until okay. the show starts, right. I'm probably not going to go just now. Okay, okay. So, yeah, since I haven't been... Do you want me to, like, put a bedpan under your chair or I something? think I'm going to be okay. Like that... Remember that astronaut who drove across the country with the diapers? Yes! <sighs> yes. I put, I put on Facebook that I was having trouble leaving my desk this week because the new trailers for Man of Steel and Star Trek Into so Darkness So maybe some Depends out. would be helpful. And, and someone said I should use the astronaut diaper, and I said you should probably only use that if you're planning to murder someone because she was, apparently. She put it on so that she could drive clear across Florida to murder the, the girlfriend of her lover, or I and don't remember. And she thought that going to the bathroom would somehow impinge on her plans for murder? I think so. She only had a limited amount of time to murder the person. And, and she wasn't successful, thank God. And apparently NASCAR drivers don't go to the bathroom the whole time they're driving this around. They just I'm go in the car. I, I'm sorry I started this. Well, really all right then. Don't I'm bring sorry. it up anymore if you don't want to talk okay, about so it. Okay, so you're not... We have established that Eric Shawquin, my co-host, is not going to the bathroom. He's going to stay on for the show tonight, which is great because they don't have a replacement for him. When he leaves. But we do have something new happening that we want to tell our listeners about, particularly our live listeners who are currently on the Facebook page. Shea Butters is among you this evening. Right. Has joined as 
Well, Shea has been here right along, but there was an incident early on. There are a lot of incidents. Well, there was a lot, but there was a big one. And so we just felt like we couldn't trust, but we've come to a new understanding. And so Shay will actually be participating, particularly on Facebook. We'll be curating our yes. Facebook page. Absolutely. And it was a great excuse for us to get him out of the studio where he was always sharpening knives and giving us threatening looks through and the control throwing booth window. dishes. Throwing dishes, like that Rihanna song. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. So anyway, it's we've really given like Shay to you. That horrible Carrie Underwood song about keying people's cars. Oh, and yeah. It was, that was very Buddhist. The yeah. Carrie Underwood nonviolence philosophy. She's a right. member of Shut a Fuck Up Buddhism. So anyway, so welcome, Shay Butters. We're delighted to have you. And those of you who are regular participants on Facebook, you will find Shay there waiting you to uh, curate your questions and manage Absolutely. your responses. and. Watch out for his the left hook and this dish tossing. That's well, all he's perfectly say. nice to them. I've been watching what he does all week. He's evil to us. It's, isn't that always the way? They're nice to the guests, and then as soon as they everybody goes home, yeah, that's when the knives and the dishes give, start give blowing. some more, Jim. So we do have a guest coming on tonight. Uh, the guest is actually going to be coming on later in the evening than usual because you and I have a lot to talk about, Eric Sharquin, including an episode update on your new favorite we show, Da Vinci's a, Demon. We always. That's coming up. But later in the uh, show, we will be joined by Tim Fetterly, the comic writer, the author of the oh, new YA novel, Better Nate Than Never. He also has another book that I believe is coming out this week, but you can order it through our store, Tequila Mockingbird. Right. A compendium. Uh, I believe they call them cookbooks of cocktail recipes inspired by great novels. <laughs> My personal favorite is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margarita. Well, that sounds lovely. Doesn't it? Yeah, somebody actually asked tonight what your favorite gin was. Do you have a favorite gin? My gin days are behind me, but in my gin days, it was Bombay Sapphire. Bombay Sapphire was awfully nice. Beefeaters makes a really fine martini, though. I wasn't a martini guy. Yeah. I didn't enjoy martinis. And Beefeater just conjured up a strange image of that guy in the big bearskin hat. But Tanqueray was best for gin and tonic, I always thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well... There we are. There's there our, we are. our gin recommendations for this evening. Uh, we'll have to get those added to the store so that Absolutely. people can buy. Can you buy gin through Amazon or I don't iTunes? Know. You can't buy porn. No, you, you, can, you can't buy like adult <laughs> videos, but you can buy adult novels, I think. You can't buy adult videos on Amazon. I don't think Amazon. you can. Let's find out. If you're out there and you're listening and you know the answer to that question, post it on our Facebook page and Shay will bounce it to us. Can you buy porn videos on Amazon.com? Yeah, because we could probably make a lot more money on the website if we started being yeah, a I'll porn say. channel. I'll <laughs> say. I'll say. Okay, so we've got a special report from Breck Artery, our fairly imbalanced newsman. Do you know what he's talking about this week? Do we ever know what he's talking about? I think that uh, I think that the recent developments in the Senate have caused him to um, formulate some oh. opinions, shall okay. we say, some theories about right. well, let's see Senate his... relations. <laughs> All right, let's see what those are. We take you now to Breck Artery, live from the United Nations in New York City. Breck? Good evening, this is Breck Artery coming to you live from outside the United Nations General Assembly building on the island of Manhattan. Recently, this fractured organization came together in an unprecedented show of worldwide unity to affirm an international arms trade treaty. 
The agreement, which is designed to limit the sale of arms to legitimate nation-state clients and keep weapons out of the hands of terrorist organizations, passed with only three votes against from the UN General Assembly, which historically cannot agree on much of anything. The only opposition to this treaty came from rogue states, Iran, North Korea, and Syria, for various reasons, most of them contradictory to the actual intent and language of the treaty itself. In a show of solidarity with these nation sponsors and defenders of terrorism and genocide, the NRA and their apparently wholly owned subsidiary, the U.S. Senate, arbitrarily denounced this anti-terrorism treaty the United States actually voted in favor of at the U.N. The Senate is currently being held hostage by a combination of a tiny anarchist minority, arcane and useless rules that aren't actually being enforced, except by those radical anarchists who terrorize and obstruct normal governance, and the massive gutlessness required to avoid doing anything to revise and repeal the rules being used to hijack this once august body as effectively as a dirty bomb in the cloakroom. The NRA instructed their anarchist partner puppets in the Senate to lie and say that the treaty infringes our Second Amendment rights even though it only addresses international and not domestic arms trade. It is like opposing a treaty about transoceanic shipping on the grounds that it will obstruct the railroad. The Senate, increasingly a mere tool of this tiny, non-representative anarchist group, is being used to facilitate the plutocratic takeover and upward redistribution of wealth in this country. Demonstrating a complete loss of contact with reality and a slavish devotion to their radical agenda, this group recently refused to endorse a UN treaty that merely affirmed what is already law in the United States. On our behalf, and as a signal to the world, the US Senate refused to support the rights of the disabled. If, in fact, it is not the policy of the United States to negotiate with terrorists in a hostage situation, one wonders why the executive branch and the legitimate, progressive, and conservative politicians in Congress continue this dance of appeasement with the self-proclaimed enemies of the state at our own national peril, or at the very least, the risk of being drowned in a bathtub. Until next time, this is Breck Artery wishing you good night and good dinner. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. Well, the verdict is in thanks to our lovely folks of the page. We can't call them people of the page because that's what mom calls her people. We have to decide what Dinner we're going Dinner partiers, to... we're going to have a contest, right? Are we? We're going to have a contest of some sort. We're going to figure out how to put a thing on the Facebook page that makes it easy so that we can just sit here and be witty and fun. But... There is no porn on Amazon. That is what eBay is for. That has, I had to report that information to the tune of There Are No Cats in America from American Tale. Okay. Are you still with me? That was really thoughtful. Um, <laughs> train singer. I did a lot of community theater in high school. There is uh, Porn is not for sale on Amazon. You can apparently get sex toys, but you can't get porn videos. There's plenty of erotic writing on I was going Amazon. to say, porn is in the eye of the beholder. There is a series on Amazon that is 11 novels long, which, and I'm just going to say the title out loud. It's called Come for Bigfoot, and there are 11 installments in the Come for Bigfoot series, and it is about a woman who has made the sex slave of several Sasquatch in the woods. Well, all right. That's sort of, that's like plushy extreme. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to be we talking. We 
talk about the most high tone, the high tone stuff that we discuss here at the dinner party show. It's a brave new world. It's a brave new world. Well, it's new. I don't know how brave it is. Absolutely. Well, this is the hors d'oeuvre section of the evening, and that is usually when we bring on a semi-serious news story. This is a very serious news story that I want to talk about. Depending on how close you were. Depending on how close you were, but also in light of the fact that the the Boston bombing manhunt, which was definitely worthy of the coverage that oh it my got, god, um, given the number of people who were in danger and the people who lost their lives at the bombings themselves, uh, and I'm not saying for an instant that we should not have been paying very very close attention to what was going on in Boston, but the unfortunate side effect of the coverage was that a lot of people have forgotten what happened in West Texas on Thursday. Not night. the president. The president made a point right. during his address after they captured. Whatever that guy's name is, with all the consonants in it, and blew the, those people the terrorist up. Terrorist, no, whose name no one can pronounce. Right. After did they, you see Mr. what happened? Sarnai. Did you see what happened? A station had autocorrect set on their closed captioning, and they mistakenly identified the bomber as Zoe Deschanel. She has always been trouble. <laughs> I've always had my suspicions about her. Anyway, so here's what I saw happening. Okay, James Moore, the director of Progress Texas Pack, had posted a wonderful piece on the Huffington Post about OSHA and about what recourse the employees of the fertilizer plant in West Texas would have had available to them if they had wanted to lodge a complaint. And his answer was basically none. That the number of employed uh, uh, nationally means that there is one OSHA inspector for every 57,984 workers. So what that means is if you were working at this plant and you saw that the ammonium nitrate, which was the material they believe caused this explosion, if you saw that it wasn't being handled properly, if it wasn't being stored in a safe way, if there was a risk that it was going to be exposed to fire, you would report it to OSHA and no one would come. That's basically what would And happen. the great news is, thanks to the anarchists that are currently completely stopping our, the governing of our country, there will be 10% less mm. than there already is of this particular coverage because we're, of course, continuing to refuse to fund the government of our country, even though we depend on them to do things like regulate how much anhydrous ammonia somebody has in the warehouse and whether or not it's going to blow up. The thing that the thing that blew me away about the story was that one of the, the casualties of the explosion was a middle school that was located mm-hmm. a few hundred yards from the plant, that there's not some sort of zoning or regulation that is very strictly enforced about the mm-hmm. proximity of the plant to anything, let alone a school full of children. If this had happened a few hours earlier, all of the children in this middle school would have been killed. Or let's talk about the nursing home that was literally right across the street. Or the apartment building that they, they characterized as having been blown out like yeah. a candle that is literally across the street. Absolutely. Um, when you look at the regulations that were applied to this plant— Basically, what you see is a series of systems that required the plant to self-report what they had. And the most dangerous chemical in it, which is the ammonium nitrate, I'm not sure if anhydrous ammonia is the same thing or if it's a step in the process or what, but the ammonium nitrate, which is the same material that Timothy McVeigh used to bomb the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City, the only agency, the only government agency overseeing the handling of that material is the Department of Homeland Security. And up until this plant blew up, the Department of Homeland Security did not know it existed. They didn't know it existed because the plant was required to report to the DHS if they had above a certain amount of this material in their plant. 
self-reporting. Like nobody would, nobody, they didn't know this plant was there. It's the continuing like, <laughs> idiocy of the small government morons who think that not having regulations actually makes the country better or safer or whatever. It just is slowly turning us into a banana republic. The continuing effort to turn the entire country into a second-class morass rather than actually, you know, it's like we said, see scenic Somalia. If you have a problem with government regulations, planes for Somalia probably don't ever leave, but you could get there. We'll send you. I don't think United has a flight. They canceled their direct flight to Mogadishu (laughs) out of LAX. After they they blew up the airport. Yeah, I mean, really. There are at least 6,000 depots. But there's no government regulations. There are at least 6,000 depots and plants in farming states across the country that are just like the one in West Texas, and the same regulations are not being applied to all of them. This is a very serious issue. And there'll be 10% less. Yeah, I mean, it applies not only to the people who live in the vicinity of these plants, but it applies to the people who work there and the only agency the only agency that has any recourse to care about the workers in these plants is OSHA and they had not been to this plant since 1985 probably because of the statistic we heard earlier about the number of workers they have available for the number of employed we have in the United States right they, they will be they were scheduled to come back again in 2027 yeah absolutely and it is not insensitive to point out, in fact, I think it's incredibly necessary to point out that this happened in the land of raging libertarianism, of this land of get government of off Ron my back. Paul. Well, we've got Rick Perry and Cruz, the new uh, representative from Texas, both asking for federal funding in response to this disaster after they both voted against federal funding for Hurricane Sandy relief. Well, I don't think Governor. Perry actually had a vote about whether or not any money got That's a relief. Good point. For, but yes, but Cruz, I think, was definitely yeah. not on board with the, yeah, no, it's the, I don't want the government's help until I need the government's help. Yeah, absolutely. Or until I want to stop other people from doing stuff that I want them to, don't want them to do. Right. The Texas Attorney General, Greg Abbott, told reporters at an afternoon press conference in West, this is now speaking of several days ago, that it was too early to talk about whether anybody might be held criminally negligent for the blast. Quote, our focus right now is on trying to help the families who are affected by this. We'll have to leave to another day issues such as this. But he warned that legal action would be taken against any businesses that pushed up prices illegally in response to the tragedy. Okay, fine, fine. So no I think price gouging. To, no price gouging. I'm against price gouging. But I'm also against this, well, we can't talk about the reasons this actually happened because someone might be responsible and you're politicizing the tragedy. <laughs> It's like politicizing the tragedy has become a buzzword for finding out who might be responsible. Or in some way holding people accountable or reacting to the actual problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really lovely. I wonder if the price of fertilizer has gone up. I don't know. I don't know how many people were supplied directly by this plant. I do know that this town was known throughout Texas because it was a stop-off point for people driving in between uh, Austin and Dallas. And, it, and there is a very large Czech community there, and I'm not going to remember how to pronounce the name of this, but they make a dish. It's not a goulash. It's like a kulashia or whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll count on one of our <laughs> listeners to fill us in. And it's habit for people making this drive to stop off in West and get this, get this dish. Well, that's really that, – and this has been our East Texas Absolutely. restaurant tip Yeah, without Tanya Lee. Absolutely. Tanya Lee will be here later in the broadcast. Really? She hasn't been on she, for a while. She has not been on for a while, and she filed her report before the events in West Texas. But honestly, she doesn't leave her house, so I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't know it had even happened. She's that kind of lady. Yeah, she's probably mostly been watching game shows. Yeah, she has. 
Well, your mom points out that her porn is actually available on <laughs> Amazon. So Stop for people who are interested in Christopher's mother's porn. my mother's porn, everyone. The whole world. Stop talking about my mother's porn. Well, actually, I think the, we whole, have... the world is very interested lately in your mom's porn. All those. That's what we should have on the site your mother's porn. We'll have your mother's porn page. Well, this gets back to the issue of what is pornography and what is erotica, right? right. Because written uh, material is often considered erotica, and any visual material that features hardcore sexual penetration is considered pornography. Did you know that, Eric? Unless it was featured at Sundance, in which case it's art. <laughs> Unless it stars Vincent Gallo. <laughs> was it that movie, The Brown Bunny? I don't know. I okay. didn't see that anyway. movie. Anyway. I saw the Eric Balfour movie. We have a very special treat tonight. Very special? We're, well, we're rolling out two new Is things jewelry? tonight. Well, it's almost like jewelry. Uh, we have a, a special act that we're going to have in the studio called The Restless Leg Dancers. Oh, this is my favorite. I've been wanting to do this for so long. And, but then later, we're going to have your rash pronouncement of the week, Eric's Rash pronouncement of the week, a new segment here on the Dinner Party Show. But now I think it's time. Are they here? Are the Restless Leg Dancers? So we, this is our new dance okay. company. We've been uh, wanting to do this. Are they? They're in the studio? Okay. Okay, okay so, hold on. Let's so go. So here we are with the Restless Leg Dancers. Okay. Oh, oh my God. No, no, a little further. No. I, I don't. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yo, back up a little bit. Whose cat is that? How many Why is there a cat in here? I think maybe fewer dancers next minute. Supposed to be like twelve. Oh my god! Watch it. Oh, let's get under the get under the table. Oh my god! Can you get the cap? Who? You got a cap here. I think it got it when they opened the door. Is it? Oh. Oh my god! They forgot your. You forgot your cat. Okay, just go to. Can we go to a commercial? Oh yeah, this is sponsored by Debag Design. Okay, we're just gonna go to a commercial. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hi, Twan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. Get down off your high horse, Sagittarius. Well, it's Easy Does It This Week with twin celestial events guiding us all gently towards a celestial resolution and putting a positive spin on the heavenly spheres. The sun remains in Taurus through May 21st, giving us a heightened appreciation of life's little luxuries as it slows the pace of progress and inspires accomplishment. Add Mars to Taurus with such a deliberate move and slow but steady wins the race. That said, Leo, you can't just rest on your laurels and expect everything to work out. Other people's time is important, too, so if you're not doing your share, that means someone else is taking up your slack. The full moon eclipse in Scorpio on Thursday the 25th brings resolution to questions that have been open since last November. Like, when is Leo going to return that phone call or reschedule that lunch he canceled back in ancient times when anyone still cared if they heard his whiny, disagreeable voice again? Just so you know, Leo, life is actually happening to all of us. When you take the lion's share of what's on offer while contributing nothing that doesn't put a shine on your mangy coat, just makes people want to put your head on a trophy plaque above the fireplace. So watch out, or better yet, try earning your reputation by living up to it. 
For most of heaven's signs, these next couple of weeks will be a time not only to reap what you have sown, but to enjoy it. For Leo, maybe it's time to put some of your bullshit to use as fertilizer. You might have to wait a little while on your crop, but not as long as you'll wait if you never sow any good at all. Till next time, this is Dwan reminding you to watch out for the stars. Welcome back to another episode of Is Eric Out of the Bathroom Yet? That well, was a was, close one, sir. There was a lot of stuff to clean up in here. I didn't see any reason to stick around for all that broken glass well, getting swept up. It, I was listening through the door of the bathroom and I heard this. Dushy, dushy, goodbye. Did you have Charo in the bathroom with you? <laughs> and, some, and a laugh track? She's working the lobby. I told our guest this evening, Tim Fetterly, author of Tequila Mockingbird and Better Nate Than Never, that we were booting him from the show because Charo had finally returned my calls. Los Gucci Gucci. Oye, Gucci Gucci in the Pero que te pasa por la mañana la gente quiere Gucci Gucci, eso es lo solamente lo que quiere. Go get the go get the go I love you. That's a long Charo clip. That's a lot of Charo. Anyway, Charo Everywhere. <laughs> Charo, everywhere. Listen, um, there's a debate raging on the Facebook page currently about the difference between erotica and porn, and Gloria Leonard says the only difference between porn and erotica is lighting, which I think is an astute observation. Which is better. Wh- which has better lighting? Right. Like, is porn. porn got more surgical lighting? Is that the idea? And erotica has mood lighting? I, I don't I, know. I think you have greater lighting options when you're writing erotica. Oh, we're talking about lighting in stuff we've written? Well, I think that's the comparison. I always see that as the dividing line. Like, I, erotica is a term that I hear used for written material, for prose, for fiction, for those books my mother read that I will not talk about. She's demanding that I say the name of them, okay? I can't. Who They're is, called Eric Has a New Daddy, and his name is Leonard, and he works at the gas station, volumes one through seven. That's my erotica. <laughs> 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 and I don't know that erotica is what we're calling that. I think that's actually got, uh, what did they call it, fluorescent lighting. Yeah. I think that's Gas uh, station lighting yeah. is what most gay porn has. Uh, why are we talking about this? I, I, what I see here is Shea Butters sorry, guiding the you, Facebook listeners away from the content we are actually airing on the show. Brought this up. I am, I am you simply opened with this. responding to Shea's uh, thing because you don't want me to talk about dingoes. I told you I had a story to tell about dingoes on the way over here. I saw a woman walking a dog that looked like a dingo. And you have a lot of experience with uh, identifying and spotting dingo in the uh, urban wild. There is a new meme. Describe a dingo to there all of us. There is a new meme on the internet. Is that how you say it? Meme or mem? It's how you say it. Okay, whatever. It's on the internet. I don't normally like memes, but there is a new series of them. <laughs> That riffs on the song Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. And this one has a dingo, and it says, I just met you, and this is crazy, but I'm a dingo, and I ate your baby. And I think it's cute. And there's a dingo on it, and that's how I know this woman's dog looked like a dingo. That is adorable. Wild animals eating babies. I forgot you're supposed to be bitching about Da Vinci's demons during this segment. Well, which is why we opened with that. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right. You continue. Tell the name of your mother's. What is it? Oh, Anne Rolark, or is that right? Yeah, Anne Rolark. You know Anne Rolark from uh, Jesus Jefferson Parish. No, it's Anne Rokalar, and it's the claiming of Sleeping Beauty. And next, she's going to do Rapunzel. 
That's going to be the next installment. <laughs> now, there are three novels in the Sleeping and Beauty series. And what hair she lets down, you just, we can't talk no, about on the we air. we can't talk about it. I'm freaking out. <laughs> no. I applaud my mother's ability to write erotica. I wish I could write erotica, but my sexual fantasies are incredibly boring and mainstream. In term, it, mainstream for my community. For people who don't have sex with guys, they're not mainstream. But um, <laughs> they're just very mainstream. But you wrote an Why are we talking about erotica? We're supposed to be talking about Da Vinci's Demons. You're letting me go off the rails here, Quinn. How much tea have you had? <laughs> I am, unlike last week, I am not doing the show on a cold medicine or a decongestant. I listened to last week's show, and it sounded like I was sitting on hot well, coals. Maybe it has the reverse effect on you, Maybe it's like, uh, what is that stuff, the Adderall, that they give to people who have ADD? <laughs> they give them speed, but it calms them down. Maybe right. maybe you're more sedate when we give you cold medicine. <laughs> maybe so. I don't think so. I thought I sounded pretty all over the place last uh, last Sunday. As opposed to how you usually sound. Yeah. I'm usually very sedate. I'm very centered. Calm I'm, I'm like Anidia Barake of the shut the fuck up Buddhism, shut a fuck up Buddhism, excuse me. Right. Don't insult Anidia. Okay. So, Eric, you have made a commitment to continue watching Divinity. Well, here's the plan. Okay, to the unpleasant woman who didn't want me to have my feelings (laughs) on my own Facebook page um, and then blocked us so she wouldn't – so that we couldn't respond to her at all because Mm -hmm. she wanted to have the last word. Uh And her last word was – you should give him more of a chance. It's only been one episode. Well, after one episode, the entire series has been renewed. Mm-hmm. So apparently my complaints fell on at least deaf ears. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than force people to watch it, I'm going to watch. And uh, we could do weekly spoilers maybe. I don't know. I don't want to start with that. If people actually want to watch and be surprised, I don't want to do spoilers on the show because I don't want to give people a The show to turn airs off. on Friday nights. Is that correct? It airs on Friday nights. Okay. So you've had a chance to watch it. It's not really a spoiler. Um, um, he's still not had given any sign that he's any – the closest they've gotten to saying that he's even bisexual is that he's said that he's ambidextrous. That's as, that's as much exploration of him having anything other than mainstream, hair all over it, heterosexual desires for a woman who he continues to be either be involved – to be involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the only love interest on the show. So they continue to completely fictionalize – that's the nicest way I can say it, um, Da Vinci. Straight wash. Yeah, they continue to scrub any reference to the fact that he was a gay man because we couldn't possibly have a gay hero mm-hmm. on a television show. Right. So they continue to insult me and gay people everywhere. I don't understand. I just don't understand. I assume that the angry woman on the Facebook page was in some way either affiliated with the show or the director. The creator wrote and directed last week's episode. So mm. clearly he is involved. And this is his it. personal choice. This isn't just some yeah. – they put his name on it. Um and uh, for the people who've asked, I have not heard anything from Glad at all. Mm-hmm. I wrote, wrote both personally to Herndon. Um, no, is that right? Herndon, Herndon, Herndon Graddock, yes. Glad, Herndon yeah. Graddock, and to um, and then through their official fill in something here. I will say in their defense that the Glad Awards were this weekend. They were last night here in Los and, Angeles. And, yeah. and they recognized it was the Ryan Murphy show. They mm-hmm. gave awards to both American Horror Story, which was. Okay, she was the the lesbian who killed her own kid was actually a gay person. So 
Good job. American Horror Spoiler Story. Spoiler alert. American and, Horror Story sets role models for the country. I okay, love it. Okay, great. And um, and uh, New Normal, which I actually yeah. was prepared to hate and actually find quite amusing and charming. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to know what it's like to live here in West Hollywood, watch The New Normal. I mean, it's literally shot right around the neighborhood, and it really does sound like a lot of my neighbors. So it really does. It's pretty accurate. Anyway, so they've been involved in doing that, so maybe they've been busy, but honestly— Okay. So the right to glad, that's what we're asking right our to folks glad. to do. If you the still link is care still about on the Facebook this, page and so Yeah, right to glad click and through and um, say, Yeah, why are you guys not saying anything about uh, the Da Vinci what is it? Da Vinci's Demons. Da Vinci's I Demons. love that you get the name wrong every time you talk about it. You call it the Da Vinci's Demons. Da Vinci's, un, you know, straight That's wash, a southern whatever. thing. I'm going to the Kmart. I'm going down to the Gelson's. I'm We're going over to the stories. Walmart. Absolutely. Everything has a the in front of it. It's a very articulate The Barnes society, and Nobles. At least a lot. And you plur- down to the, the Barnes and Nobles. Pluralization of things in the, the South. The Piggly Wiggly. The Piggly Wigglies. The Holmeses. Do you remember D.H. Holmes? D.H. Holmes. Down anyway, by D.H. Holmes. And Louisiana things are all buy stuff. They are. They're all buy stuff. And we're going to go get y'all buy a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we will be debuting a brand new segment, Eric's Rash so Pronouncement of the Week. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. We've made every effort to make sure you can access our show for free across a variety of platforms. We debut a live show every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the player at our website, www.thedinnerpartyshow.com. This same stream can be accessed via our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, so you don't have to be in front of your computer to join the party. We're on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. If you miss the live show, we replay it continuously throughout the week until a new show debuts the following Sunday at the same time. Our free mobile apps keep you connected to these encore presentations as well. We interact with our live listeners through our Facebook page, so if you'd like to ask a question of a guest or have us respond to your comment, make sure you've liked the page for The Dinner Party Show on Facebook. Our SoundCloud profile is where we feature reports from our special correspondents. You can access all of our social media platforms by visiting the links at the top left-hand side of our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. They're located right next to the player. YouTube is where we post backstage video, and Twitter is where we spotlight quotes from the show and breaking Dinner Party Show news, including announcements about upcoming guests and special episodes. For our podcast listeners, a complete unedited podcast of the entire show posts to iTunes the day after the episode debuts. We also have a show archive on our website, which allows you to stream or download complete episodes. Our production quality is high, and so, rather than compressing the sound file and sacrificing quality for our non-live listeners, we break our podcasts into four bite-sized servings. For our iTunes subscribers, if you'd like to have entire episodes downloaded automatically, make sure you've checked the setting, Get All Episodes. Episodes. Otherwise, only the first serving will download automatically. At the risk of turning our entire show into a series of technical announcements, we're going to shut up now and get back to the live cast already in progress. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice. And we've taken away all your technical excuses not to listen to the dinner party show. Time for Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Drug addicts and old people 
have fucked up voicemail. This has been Eric's Rash Pronouncement of the Week. Well, they do. They do. <laughs> but are they accompanied by such triumphal music? That's me. I am accompanied. You the... are the Ivanhoe of rash pronouncements. Trumpeters follow me wherever I go. <laughs> we were originally going to call this the Trumpeter Hour. Right. It's two hours because we can't shut up. And the trumpeters got a little monotonous after the first hour. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hanging out back with the restless leg dancers <laughs> who are all injured and have a lot of explaining to do to that cat. Where did that cat come from? I, it came in when they opened the door. I don't know. It must have been oh. out in the lobby. Maybe it's Thames. We we'll have, have to ask him. We have a stray cat problem at the dinner party show. Tim is here, by the way. I saw him earlier when I Our was- Our guest is here. On one of my 22 one of trips your, to the bathroom. <laughs> 22 trips to the bathroom. This tea is great. This Would tea you like is some? great. Our manservant, Billy, makes our tea. Uh, our our finger our, sandwiches, we forgot to say last week, are provided by Bobby Lee of Tiny Kitchen. He's brought. We, we went through quite an ordeal trying to get a place in I sunny swear Los to Angeles God, that made tea sandwiches. Tea sandwiches are a huge request, apparently. I thought I could just order some up. We have spent literally six weeks trying to get tea sandwiches, and Billy is vice president in charge of guest relations. Oh, oh excuse me. He's I've not been any, referring to him as our man, sir. No, that's Shea Butters. That's Shea. Oh, we don't want to make Shea angry because Shea is continuing to encourage my mother to to talk about her porn, and she's calling it porn, on our Facebook page. Thanks, Mom. I love you. Uh, we have an entertainment headline to discuss. We have an entertainment headline to discuss. The revolting new NBC show, Hannibal. And I mean revolting in the most flattering the way loving, I mean In a loving and good-natured sort it, of way. It's I about mean, serial killers. I know, but there is something. There, there's, there's being about serial killers, and then there's sort of weirdly celebrating serial killers and there's an element of that to the show also you know like it takes a lot to gross me out to really gross me out it doesn't take a lot to disturb me i'm very easily disturbed I'm so disturbed i have a lot of feelings i get disturbed very still have easily fears. <laughs> still have fears anyway um this show is gross. It's just gross. I watch it, and by the end of the show, I'm literally creeped out. I used to, when Dexter first came on, I've yeah. stopped watching. After the first season, they screwed up the writing, and I actually quit watching Dexter. But the first season, I used to watch and then be nauseous at the end of the show. But I couldn't stop watching. Right. I don't know that this is quite there yet, but it has the nauseous factor. It I is definitely. Tell you. But, you know, it's Hannibal. What do you, the thing, it's about serial killers and cannibalism. That adds a dimension to mm -hmm. it that's really like, oh, okay, and the ouch. type of serial killers that they, because every every week there is a new serial killer because it's a TV show. There's Hannibal and then there's the case of the week. Serial killer of the week. The serial killer of the week. And they are these sort of almost over-the-top, almost art killings. Like, I don't want to describe them in too much detail for our more squeamish listeners, but the last one involved people being buried underground and mushrooms. And that's all I'm going to say. And it was like, They were oh the fertilizer for mushroom yeah, they farm. Were the, yeah. Anyway, they've pulled their episode from next week. And what that means is that there will be an episode of Hannibal on next week. But they've we pulled think. this one because they it's believe— It's NBC, so anything's possible. You have no, it could right. be a discussion of the Friends reunion with Andy Cohen. <laughs> or it could be the Real Housewives of Kabul. Anyway, they said—this is the part that gets me. They've said, um, we will be showing the episodes out of order. We will, we will be pulling the one we were going to show next and showing the next one, but don't worry, no one will notice. <laughs> 
which, which is I not... think I think is a promise about they could actually have an hour of of darkness on NBC and nobody might notice. I I think that just about everybody has stopped watching the network after Jeff Zucker got through destroying it. He's moving on to destroy CNN. The which... part that I love about this story is that this is what they're disturbed about. Yeah, like it's a show where last week. Dead bodies, people were being killed specifically to be used as mushroom fertilizer. Yes. But that wasn't the problem episode. This no. one might be upsetting to children. So we're taking it off. Whoever's letting their children watch Hannibal, I, I think we need to talk about whether I or not agree. you should be raising children. I agree. But the plot of this episode is a string of family murders takes place, and the hero, Will Graham, played by Hugh Dancy, determines that they were conducted by each of the family's missing children who were abducted and brainwashed into killing their old families by their sinister new family. And I believe Molly Shannon well, is now, on who, the episode. What child hasn't fantasized about that? <laughs> well, as you said the other day, every lovely children's story opens with the parents dying. I'm telling you, the yeah. most the most tragic and horrifying stories in the world are children's stories. Everybody's Bambi's mother gets mowed down. I had to be taken out of uh, the theater. I can't talk about Bambi. I can't I can't be talking about Bambi. And all of the Grimm's fairy tales no. and all of this all orphan children and dead parents. And, and apparently the original time version. Time to shoot the dog. <laughs> Apparently, the original version of all the Hans Christian Andersen stories are disturbing and horrifying. Like the Little Mermaid, when she gets her legs, it's excruciatingly painful for her when she walks on land. That she, it's like spikes being driven into her hips. That's nice. I know, I know. Like we do a lot to children through fiction. We should all just read my mother's porn. We really should. I think it would be a happier world. Absolutely. It would indeed be a happier world. But I think your point is well taken, which is that every episode of Hannibal has been unbelievably disturbing. And if Deadline Hollywood is to be believed, which is Nikki Fink's notorious Hollywood blog. So it probably is. This episode was pulled before the events of the Boston Marathon. It was actually pulled in response to Newtown. Which it's been a while since Newtown. So Newtown that happened like three months odd. before the show ever came on the air, but whatever. But here's what they're doing, okay, in response. The show creator, Brian Fuller, who I actually think is quite talented. We were both big fans. Love of Brian pushing, Fuller. Pushing Daisies. Pushing Daisies was one of my favorite shows ever. Absolutely. Broke my heart. Wonderfalls, I'm just mad for. I still watch it. Absolutely. They will be showing I on I was NBC. on Pushing Daisies. You were on Pushing Daisies. For That's right. 42 seconds. Yes, My absolutely. hair, actually. You were a background person on Pushing Daisies. You yes, were Christopher, a customer in the Christopher pie shop. bought it at an auction that I he did. went to a fundraising auction for somebody and the gave Point it to Foundation. me for, yeah. for, as a present. And so I actually, my hair was featured for about three seconds over Lee Pace's shoulder at the table while they were talking about something. Absolutely. And you took a picture with Christian Chenoweth. What I wanted to add before we move on from Hannibal Forever is that they will be showing the disturbing scenes at NBC.com accompanied by commentary from Brian Fuller, the show's creator. The one that they're pulling, they're showing yes. on the, the internet. Or they're, or they're showing portions of it on the internet, yeah. With Brian Fuller explaining why he felt the material was too disturbing for them to air at this time. Oh, so Brian yeah. is actually a part of the decision to yes. pull the episode. Yes, he's being shown as being part of the, yes. I think... The only thing scarier than killer children is those the, when the dolls come to life. You are so afraid of dolls. dolls I grew up just, in a doll museum. I know, I'm and I would have dolls. been a nervous wreck if I had grown up there. All of those dolls, dolls just freak me out. And when the dolls come to life, I just lose my mind. Really? It scares the hell out of me. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what that's about It's either. like a childhood fear. 
Kind of like when you see a woman walking a dingo down Sunset Boulevard and nobody's doing anything about it. Well, I don't know that I would recognize a dingo if it fell out of a tree and landed on my head. And so I, just, I don't know that it would be as disturbing. I once saw a woman walking an ocelot down the beach. Or actually, I should say dragging an <laughs> ocelot down. It was like a sand wedge. There was this cloud of, of dust blowing in the wind from her dragging her cat down the beach on a leash. Evidently, people on our page or dinner partiers are as yet unnamed friends and followers are being surprised that I can be easily disturbed. Oh, my God. There was, remember when we went through that period where you couldn't see the ad for... I could for, not for Saw. Oh, I could not look at an ad for Saw. Someone described a or scene Or stop talking movie. about it. I was fixated on it. I was obsessed. Because that's the type of personality I have. It's why I write dark stuff is to get it out of my head. It gets stuck in there. So I need to inflict it on other people. But I have a line. I have a line at torture. I do not like torture. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Christopher's favorite thing is to read really disturbing material and then call <laughs> freaked out at 2 o'clock in the, you know, in the afternoon well, or here's 12 what... o'clock at night and, and you say, oh God, Christopher, what's going on? And you said, well, I was just relaxing reading a book about people being mutilated on an airplane <laughs> and it's like, well, maybe that wasn't a very relaxing choice. I'm just saying. We're going to close with this before you say anything more embarrassing. Um, oh God, and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, here's what I'll do. Here's Have you what I'll been do. to the bathroom, Christopher? I will. I will go online. I haven't been to the bathroom yet. I'm going to go shortly. But I will go online and I will read the Wikipedia entries for films I am too frightened to see, like Hostel and Saw. <laughs> and I did it. And I'm, I've actually become uh, friends with Heather Matarazzo, who meets a terrible end in Hostel Two, which I won't go into detail. She's one of the hostel guests who gets tortured and murdered. And she was chatting with me online. I don't think that that's that's kind of the whole movie, isn't it? <laughs> I gave too much away. Spoiler alert. I was chatting with her online and I went, tell me that you're okay. Please tell me you're okay, Heather. She's like, I'm, she goes, you realize it was just a movie, right? (laughs) I was like, okay, fine. I'm actually fine. And I'm fine. Well, we have a live report from Miss Jonelle's, oh Jesus, Jonelle Sams is back with me. Why do you have such an attitude about Jonelle? I don't have an attitude. I have concern. I have concern about Jonelle Sams. Well, you should go to Poison Creek and look after her then. Okay, you know what? Y'all listen to Jonelle Sams. I'm going to go to the bathroom before Eric can get in there again. Here she is. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. Hey, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, Care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. This week, we have a letter from a listener dealing with the challenges of a multicultural relationship. The letter reads, Dear Jonelle, my sweetheart is a Turk. I'm American. How do I deal with the cultural differences that stress our relationship? He makes a mess and expects me to clean it up because his mother treated him like a king. He says that his inability to get romantic with me is my fault. He says being supportive, in quotation marks, equals joining him in any endeavor like a pyramid scheme. He's $1.5 million in debt. How am I supposed to pay that off with what I earn? Signed, Not Such Turkish Delight. Well, Delight, I'm not in a multicultural relationship, as you may know. Merle, my husband of 23 blissful years, grew up less than a mile from where I grew up. 
There is very little we don't have in common. After all this time, we are even starting to look a lot alike. But while I may not know much about Asia Minor, I have majored in relationship studies all these years, and I think I might can help with that. Your letter makes me think of how much Merle likes long wangs. After the United States won the war in Vietnam, a lot of Oriental people settled hereabouts. How Fuck and his family came here and started a restaurant out off the highway near Body Works, the men's only gym Merle and his best friend Olson belonged to. Well, what the fucks discovered was that no one hereabouts in Poison Creek was much interested in Vietnamese food. They gave sushi a run, but most folks just thought it was really overpriced bait. I don't mind telling you there were some sad fucks around these parts. But then Howe had his big fuck idea. Long Wangs. He turned their restaurant into a Chinese place and not a minute too soon. His whole family was sleeping on the pantry shelves in the back of their storefront by that point. When they reopened, they called the place Long Wangs, which I think means good luck in Chinese because Merle said it's always been lucky for him. Many is the time that Merle takes a seat on Long Wangs' banquette after Olson has put him through a workout at Body Works. Merle says he has never failed to leave satisfied. It is a feeling that many here locally have about Long Wangs. Naturally, I was curious about the attraction to Long Wangs. I kept after Merle, and one Sunday after church, I finally convinced him to show me why he loved Long Wangs so much. It was the perfect time to try because they have a buffet on Sundays, so I got a good taste of all Long Wangs have to offer. Well, sir, I have to tell you, I did not share Merle's devotion to Long Wangs any more than I had to whatever the fucks were serving. I have nothing against the fucks, but my taste runs to more local fare. My mistake was I didn't tell Merle. So every Sunday for I don't know how long after church, my day went straight to the fucks. I tried to find something I liked on the menu. I don't know what the fucks were doing, but nothing was to my liking. Then, when I was certain all the fucks' food tasted just the same, I tried talking them into making something I did like. That was worse. They are good people and an asset to Poison Creek, but you can't imagine what the fucks can do to fried chicken. I took to hiding food in my purse so I'd have something to eat after church. That worked until one Sunday, Merle forgot his wallet and reached in my bag for something to put in the collection plate and got a handful of macaroni salad. We laugh about it now, but I learned my lesson. Just because Merle likes long wangs doesn't mean I have to. So we went back to the Venom Marsh cafeteria and Merle went back to enjoying long wangs on his own. My point, Delight, is that the fact that I wasn't enjoying what the fucks had to offer did not mean there was anything wrong with Long Wangs. I was just in the wrong restaurant. There are plenty of people hereabouts who love Long Wangs, none more than my Merle. And a good thing, I tell you those are the happiest fucks for three counties. I'm just much happier choosing what I have a taste for than I am trying to force some poor fuck to do it my way. So, Delight, it sounds to me like if you love living with a Turkish king, you're in the right house. And if you don't, well, maybe it's time to go back to the cafeteria and pick out something that you do like. Long Wangs isn't for everybody, but lucky for the fucks, there's plenty who can't do without. And I'm proud to say that the happiest fucks in the world live in Poison Creek, USA. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. 
If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle, care of The Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. And girl, whatever you do, stay or go, put your money in a mattress if you have to to keep his hands off it. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. For all the terrible films Hollywood puts out every year, there are literally hundreds of thousands of awful movie ideas Hollywood executives don't buy. In order to protect their legacy, some of the film industry's top producers have provided us with secret recordings of some of the worst pitch meetings they've ever been forced to sit through. That's why we call this series World's Worst Pitch Meeting. Here's another installment. Just don't get it, Bob. I mean, these box office numbers. I, every critic in America used to agree I had my finger on the pulse of the youth market in this country, and now it's like, I, I, it looks like I've lost my touch. I don't know what happened. Well, I think it might be a generational thing. Oh, God. What are you saying? I'm too old to write movies that frighten teenagers anymore? Oh, no. I mean, not yet. I, I don't know. Maybe in another few years. Oh, Jesus. All right, Joe. Let's not overthink this, okay? I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told you, Agent. You don't need to crawl inside the mind of a teenager. You just need to look around at what the kids are up to these days and come up with a concept based on that. Uh, you make it sound so easy. Well, what can I say? Teenagers these days just aren't frightened by an axe-wielding maniac dressed up as a SpongeBob SquarePants. It was a SpongeBob SquarePants-like costume. That's what it said in the script. He wasn't supposed to be SpongeBob SquarePants. He was just supposed to I look... I know, I know, I know, because of the trademark. Not Issues, but just the trademark issues. I didn't want to write a horror movie about SpongeBob SquarePants. Wasn't the killer called Spongy? Yes, because after he hacked you to pieces, he would soak up your blood with his body, oh. and that would make him more powerful. But that's not the point. And the that movie I'm... was called Sponge, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's just because all the big horror franchises start with S. Scream, Saw. Listen, I thought it was a great concept. I hate sponges. I think they're terrifying. But for now, just lighten up a bit. We've known each other for years. Come on, let's hear it. All right, all right, all right. Okay, well, I, I sat down and I thought about it and I was like, what are the kids all about these days? And I was like, duh, social media. Oh, yeah. All right, so here's the title. Say nothing. Oh, please. Don't tell me it's a sequel to Say Anything. Oh, well, hardly, hardly. Here goes. Okay, we've got a smart, pretty young girl in an all-American high school, and she and her group of close friends just love going to the movies. And every Friday night, after they see whatever the big movie of the weekend is, they go online and they tweet about it. They most certainly do. But the stuff they tweet, it's mean. It's hateful. Mm -hmm. They say nasty shit about the actors in the movie or the writer. Oh, or the okay. But not our heroine, you see, mm. because she's respectful. Because she knows that it takes a lot of hard work to make a movie that her entire social group is going to like. And she's hot. Oh, yeah, totally, totally hot. Excellent. Anyway, so one by one, her friends start to die. And in truly, truly horrible and grotesque ways. Okay, it's sounding a little standard so far, but uh, okay, what's the hook here? Our heroine starts to investigate the deaths and she sees the pattern. You see, her friend Natalie died because somebody ripped her face off. And when our heroine goes back through Natalie, Natalie's Twitter feed to the Friday night before her murder, she sees Natalie's last tweet, which says, Movie sucks so bad tonight. Wish I had had my face ripped off instead. Oh. 
And then her friend Brandon, the jock, she goes back through his tweets as well. And his last tweet says, I'd rather swallow razor blades than sit through that movie again. And oh. I'll give you one guess how the jerk died. See, I've got more and more and oh more. Oh my God, are these all real tweets about your last movie? I- I've got pages and pages of this shit we can work with. You it's amazing. You need to talk to someone. You wanted me to look at what the kids are doing these oh days. Well, this is God. what they're fucking doing. They're talking shit on right, Twitter all about- all right, all right, Joe, I need you to take a breath. I need you to- Say nothing, you know, like in a big, fat, red, dripping typeface. And every teenager in America will see the poster and they'll be so fucking scared to tweet shit about my movie. Okay, 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 Joe, Joe, meeting's over. Sorry, pal. Maybe a vacation or I don't know. We need to... Security! Come on, man, you can't give up on me. I'm not giving up on you. I just think you need to go to Cabo for a few days, all right? I need to get into real estate. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. (sighs) That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. I'm still Christopher Rice, and one of our listeners on the Facebook page, I hope I pronounce this correctly, Ming Dore, says there is a restaurant, or excuse me, there was a restaurant in Texas called Big Wang, and it burned down and was replaced with the new Big Wang. Was it near an anhydrous? <laughs> no, I hope not. Hopefully somebody cared enough to put regulations in that was city. It blown off the face of the earth know, by a right? fertilizer plant, oh, or did everything. it actually? Everything. Well, anyway. Crazy. Aside from Christopher Rice, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'm also here, and so is our much-anticipated guest. Gucci, Gucci. Oh, yeah. Charo's here. here. We kicked him federally <laughs> off the show. No, that's not true. I'm Charo with a head. Charo, that's actually Tim impersonating Absolutely. Tim Federley, welcome to the dinner party show. Very good impersonation, by the way. We've put you through hell tonight. We're so glad you're here. Truly. Um, You are in town because you attended the LA Times Festival of Books this weekend. Yeah, for the first time. It's huge, that festival. It is. It is huge. I'd never been to USC. Mm, You drive through the gates. I love USC. It's like a resort. Yeah. Well, once like you get an through island. the yeah, the once you've driven through the part where they burn down, that's where it's the riots were. Yeah. yeah. No, it's totally. If you get past the levels, then you get a book. Right. Is sort of the idea. <laughs> if you don't get murdered, you yeah. get a book. You so get... you were not murdered, and your book is called Better Nate Than Never, which is yeah. a YA novel that was released a few weeks ago and is available for sale in our store. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. It is excellent. I started reading it just this last week, and I'm having quite a good time. Thank you. Wow, guys. Excellent. So tell us about the book. The book uh, is, well, I moved, I'm from New York. I live in New York. So every time I come out to L.A., it's an adventure, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, you know, a, <laughs> a good metaphor way? for, yeah, it's a, it's a metaphor for I can't find anything. Uh, but I, uh, so well, I Neither moved, can we, and we've been here for so years. Confi- so. It's every single time I arrive places like 45 minutes early or 45 minutes late, never on time. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so the book, Better Nate Than Ever, is, uh, it's about a kid uh, who runs away from home in his little Midwestern hometown, and he crashes an audition for E.T. the musical. 
Wow. And it was thank you. And uh, and it, I moved to New York myself as a teenager to dance on Broadway. Oh. That was kind of my thing. So I was yeah, that. Somebody asked about Billy Elliot. Yeah. I, I, I worked on Billy Elliot in New York. I trained all the kids in the show, which was a oh, trip. I love a that trip. show. There were three kids who played one role. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah and, it's, and, and not to be outdone, Matilda, which some of your listeners may have read when they were kids, Roald Dahl's Matilda. Yes. Um, I, just I opened. It, yeah. yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So it just opened on Broadway. And there are four little girls rotating in the role of Matilda. And now, I saw it on well, opening well, night. It's are they ro- rotating in one performance? No. Can you imagine? Just, I, now I, she's black. Now she's white. They, <laughs> she's everything. Kids just, get tired. You know, they have all yeah, this energy and then they go face plant. And there are the rules about how long you can live. Right. It's the, like, yeah, 15 yeah. minutes. It's yeah. like Hollywood. Cut. Yeah. No, they get to do a whole, a whole okay. show. Good. Uh, and then they yeah, they rotate. And then they go back to school. And they go back right. to school, yeah. So yeah. they do, t- I guess, two a week because it's eight shows a week on Broadway. Right. Very serious. So how old were you when you ended up in New York? I was, uh, I think, 18 or 19 okay. when I went. And, um, and, and then I, you know, I, I, was a, I danced in a halftime show. A Super Bowl happened. It was my first time at a football game, which was cool. Cool. Uh, and then, uh, and then just a bunch of shows, <laughs> a bunch of things no Your one ever saw. First time at a football game was dancing in the halftime yeah, show. Open I big. Love that. My dad That's was. It's like my good. first time. Dad noticed me, and so. Uh, <laughs> oh look, we have a son. Yeah, hundred million people <laughs> and dad. Exactly. Uh, That's the title of the memoir. Oh look, we have a son. <laughs> son exactly. That's great. It's by my dad, but I ghostwrite it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then you know just a just a hodgepodge of other shows. Right. Right. Which led me to write. Better Nate Than Ever, available at the dinner party show. Have I been getting the name of your book wrong? I've been calling it Better Nate Than Never. Yeah, but my mom, when my mom, no, it's okay. When my mom sent the, like, the e-blast that moms do to their friends, she called it Better Late Than Never. Like, she actually got Better Late Than Never. The character's name is at least Just call Christopher's first book a a Destiny of Souls. It's a density of souls, goddammit. And he loves to hear Rosie O'Donnell got it wrong, and I punched her. No, I didn't People get it wrong all the time. It's hard. I heard his mother get it wrong once at lunch. Well, I, I well, write weird titles, but drunk. yeah, she, <laughs> she was wasn't. She was drunk. distracted by whatever she was posting on Facebook. I think, but like um, the Facebook queen. She's she's the queen. She's the mayor of Facebook. I yeah. think Anne she Zuckerberg. Is. I think she is. And Anne other people Zuckerberg. Are, yes. Other people. She doesn't. She's like, oh no, I'm not the queen. I'm like, well, who would it be? Kim Kardashian. She's not even really on Facebook. No, they're right. all about Twitter. Anyway. <laughs> Back I wish the you. listeners could have seen that. They're all about Twitter, Eric said, flicking <laughs> his hair. Eric hates Twitter. <laughs> yeah. He really does. I don't understand Twitter. You hate Twitter. You say tap, something tap. and then who knows that anybody's listening to it or how can you tell that they don't? I to use the thread feature. I, we'll do it. It's, it's, Eric is not brief. Eric doesn't do brevity. He's 100,000 characters or less. Yes, yeah. that's anyway, right. Eric is long form. <laughs> Eric is long form. Speaking of long form, back to your book. Yeah. Okay, so you're getting all the usual questions you get when you come out with a book. Are there any real people in it? Is it going to be a movie? And has anyone sued you yet, right? Are you getting hit with all those three questions? I love questions? that. Yeah. A little bit. Um, a, a, a little bit. And and for that, I'll point you to my lawyer. No. Is Are there any real people? Yeah, I mean, I think sure, because it's, it's a little bit autobiographical. And, right. Uh, Everything is. Right. I mean, you're, yeah, it's your first novel. So, I always um, say that. People are, is there, are these characters, who are these characters based on me? They're all me. Yeah, they're I all wrote me, it. Fool. Like, how could it not be me? That's what a novel does. Don't you know does. who wrote this? You create the world. <sighs> Some so, of so, us managed to look outside of our homes, but I guess, whatever. Go, oh, anyway, don't, please don't do this. No one in this room. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Well, because there's no windows. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, in Better 
Nathan ever. Uh, there's many a character uh, who I think I worked with along the way on Broadway just because the archetypes are drawn. So like in Magic Marker, people are so silly in New York. <laughs> I and, love this the dancing teacher from Florida. Yeah, there is a dance teacher from Florida. He's for sure. great. So bitter. Thank you. Yeah, he's super bitter. Really? He was like cut. So he was him. cut by Michael Bennett at an yeah. audition in my backstory. So yeah, he's so mad about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. The West Hollywood contingent will know who Michael Bennett is. Uh, and then, what was the second question? <laughs> Are you being sued by anyone? Boy, you're excited to ask that. Uh, yeah. No, nobody is no lawsuits so far. Okay, good. Yeah, Stick so far. around for the suit. Stick yeah, around for the lawsuit. Exactly. So, what's the backstage dirt from Billy Elliot? That's the the question I, that that is coming up on our from the listeners to tonight's show. They Man, want, any do you have any dish on Billy Elliot? The di- I mean, I think the. Di- Dish, gosh, it feels like it, it actually closed now, like over a year ago. Did but it? Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? When you're out here, you don't. But, you will, uh, it's really true. Yeah. It's like a big echo. Uh, I mean, I think the dish is uh, uh, just that it was so expensive to run that it closed early. That show was actually brilliant. I mean, there are many a Broadway show, not many, but there are shows I did that I would like recommend other shows for people to go see. But Billy Elliot was one that I actually said, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, we recommend other people's internet radio shows. So I, I mean, I understand. It's, yeah. it's it's what it's like your your own worst Yelp. Um, but but like when I, I was in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which ran for wow. about an act. Uh, that was the famous show where Closed the car during got the last. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You went away to get a coke and you came back and ragtime was loading in. <laughs> um, but uh, but Bill, I mean the big. I guess the biggest dish at Billy Elliot was it was just too darn expensive to run. We're why, being we're syndicated. Why was it so me. expensive? Because because that thing of different kids playing different roles oh, means that it's like tutors and rehearsals and you know their right. voice changes overnight and suddenly they're William Elliot and their pants are too short. And but right. The, but the givens of the show, it doesn't seem like the givens. It sounds like we're on a port. Well, the givens of the show. <laughs> well, the givens of the show. Another another. Sorry, keep going. Aaron. It just doesn't seem like they're like. Were there elements of the show like uh, scenery or design ways? Like I, I, I know the movie. I don't know yeah. the, the. There musical. is not a moment where they land a giant helicopter on Billy Elliot. Is no, there? it's. It seems like a fairly simplistic sort of plot. It's about dance class. Yeah. And it's about struggling in a small village, and it's about a coal miner strike, and yeah. Social change yeah. in England and Margaret Thatcher being a hideous bitch, even if she is dead and everybody's sorry about it. Still a horrible woman. I horrible not woman. Not everyone was sorry that I heard. Anyway. No, that was something yeah. else. I loved Meryl Streep had like a quote when they weren't doing Boston bombing coverage for the last week, which was almost never. Yeah. Somehow really, they, so one else. of the networks snuck in like a quote that Meryl Streep had about Margaret Thatcher, but I love that they didn't even get Meryl Streep's voice. She only issues like statements. Yeah, she doesn't never, do a lot of radio, though I know no, she's we next could, week, right? We on get, party. She's yeah. next week. Yeah. We're going to get her wasted. It's going to yeah. be great. Now we have a brief word from one of our sponsors. And, and then, then we'll, we'll hear what Meryl Streep back said. Back with Trash and Meryl Streep with Tim <laughs> Federley offer a better Nate than ever. Congratulations. Are you the child of a celebrity who hopes to someday cut a seven-figure book deal for your tell-all memoir? But are you worried that you didn't suffer enough abuse growing up to justify such a fat cash advance? Well then, it's time for you to call a drug dealer. That's right. Drug dealers are standing by in every city on the planet, ready to introduce a level of literary conflict into your life of unbelievable privilege. If your famous parents didn't lock you in a closet when you were three, try hitting the pipe today. 
That should provide you with a few chapters of hardship that will break the monotony of suffering through private school and beach vacations in the south of France. Drug dealers are ready and willing to explain to you how their product isn't really that addictive if you're in the right frame of mind. And they're often more than willing to introduce you to one of their smoking hot clients who will marry you and then take you for all you're worth as they service their addiction. Providing you, in the process, with all the intrigue and drama you need to distract New York publishers from the fact that you're a navel-gazing spoiled brat. Because if you're an inner-city black person, it's just another crack habit. But when you're the child of a celebrity, it's publishing gold. Drug dealers, they'll make you the star of your own memoir. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. Eric Shawquin has just returned from his 600th trip to the bathroom. And it was lovely in there this time of year. Our guest is Tim <laughs> Federley, and our listeners believe, Tim, that you have a sexy voice. Oh, listeners? Dad? Yes. Oh, that's so weird. Both of them. That. Wow, you so went drunk. right there. Um, you're thanks, not drunk. Guys. You're not drinking. We haven't been able to get you drunk. Which no, is I walked in. I wish your listeners could be here because it's the most beautiful, like, open bar in the lobby yeah. area. Yeah. I've done PBS. I've done them all. And, yeah. they, and none <laughs> are as – I love that PBS is yeah. how I bragged. Yeah. Yeah. PBS. <laughs> wow. I've, I've done, done them all. I started with PBS and I'm here. But PBS and the Dallas Morning I've Show. Done, I've been everywhere. I have done every local morning show in the country. But apparently we're interviewing Tim. So I'm going to get back to that. What is this about – we were talking about Meryl Streep had right. a quote about Margaret Thatcher. Said she was a hideous bitch, something like that? No, I she don't think Meryl said that, Eric. She didn't say that, Eric. Um <laughs> And, Not that and she stop looking she at me that way. She didn't send out a press release saying that. No, she said, you know, it was something along, now I'm misquoting. I love that, like, have you ever been sued, Tim? And literally by the end of this interview, there's like a summons yeah, from the, the street. the lawyers estate. will be waiting outside <laughs> in the parking lot. Um, yeah. You know, it was something along the lines of, yes, she was tough, but without, it, was, it, it all sort of fell under the lean-in movement. You know, mm. the kind of thing of... Um, share, uh, being supportive Stan, of women, up the... yeah, the the the, the fantastic. Mm-hmm. She has a number one New right. York Times bestseller at Facebook. It, you know the idea of although um, she is the COO of of Facebook, right? yeah, Facebook, yeah, yeah. So oh, I th- yes. I would like for her to get back to the operating of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know it takes a like, lot to write about. I'm glad she has a book out and all that, but I would like for her to focus more on timeline, causing, oh, the timeline, which is now it's work. MySpace essentially. Right, exactly. right. It's great to return to MySpace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tim, they all want to know if your book is going to be a movie. I, that's the other inevitable question that writers get when they're launching We're filming it now, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, there's something you should know. It's meta, and this is the opening scene. This um, is the movie. Uh, the, I didn't know you were a baritender. I don't know what that was. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I am. Uh, is it a movie? I, all I'll say is I, I actually was out in L.A. before. Watch your mouth. Um, <laughs> I, I was in L.A. pre LA Times Festival of Books to have a bunch of like meetings about sure. the you know, meetings. Love that word. Uh, so and so you have yeah. to say that you're taking. I'm meetings. taking you meetings. Can't, uh, go to a meeting or have you a meeting. You have it. to take a meeting. Yes. So we'll see. It was fun actually. Everyone was really nice. You know, I almost wanted to have. Oh, the, that's the kiss of death, right? Yeah, that's right. If they're right. nice to you, they have don't you ever heard want to of see the you new, again. Did, we will eventually let you answer a question. But no, have, have you heard great. the New Yorker cartoon? What's the difference between LA and New York? One, it's the thought bubble versus the speech bubble. In New York, the thought bubble is hello, and the speech bubble is fuck you. And in L.A., it's the reverse. The speech bubble is hello, and the thought bubble is fuck you. Yeah, Actually, in Los Angeles, it's let's have lunch, which means fuck off. I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, wow, you're really breaking me in. Yeah, you're breaking really, me down, actually. You really are. The, yeah, yeah. You and take was- the meeting to figure out how you're going to take it later. 
Ooh, wow. Oh, Chapter wow. one. Bitter party of two and a half. Right? We'll bring you Because I'm short? Is that why it's No. no I am not short. short. Listeners should short? know I'm deeply short. Oh, yeah. you were sitting down when I walked in, and I'm enormously tall, so I think everybody is short. So you took and some he's meetings. He's actually taller than me. You took some meetings before you went to the L.A. Times Festival of Books. Yeah. Okay, and they were very nice. So, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to, you know what? Uh, as much as I hate the secret, because, um, you know, I think oh. we so frequently tell people what we're going to do before we do it. But I'm just going to say it. I'm going to go on record and say someday <laughs> Better Nate Than Ever will be a film. Why not? So. Yeah, let's just say it. Why not? I don't think there's anything wrong with having ambition, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having dreams. I think there. I have a personal problem with believing that if I have a good thought, a necklace will appear on my neck, which mm-hmm. apparently happens in the secret video. I've never had that experience, but no. who knows? Well, the problem that I have with The Secret is that it's about blaming people for their misfortune. It's like saying, the children in Biafra, and I know it's not Biafra anymore, but wherever, in Biafra <laughs> are, are, are starving because they're not imagining a steak dinner hard enough. And I honestly think starving people are not thinking about anything else but food. And so if but imagining steak. stuff would make it come true, yeah. right. then people without would have everything. And that's it, not the way it works. And I don't believe in blaming people for misfortunes and right. I think that's what that that philosophy so what he's saying is that if your book doesn't become a movie it's not your it's fault it's my oh I, it's I not it your meant fault that I'm hungry no 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 you're no, hungry and you not. should go to Biafra and you'll be the other big thing in is I think that don't just because people in Los Angeles are the way people in Los Angeles are doesn't in any way reflect on your ability to get your movie made. It's about the thing that people say in Los Angeles is they act as though there is one way that movies get made. And if you don't do it that way, it'll never happen. And the one thing that I know after living here for 20 for twenty or more years is that no two movies get made the same way. Mm. And so starting with I would like to make this into a movie seems like the best place to start. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess you have to plant the Tree somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Then you write the script and then you start talking to people about it. So, what did you do? Eric, why are you crying? (laughs) Why are you sobbing? You're turning red. Back to the Festival of Books. What did you do? You were on a panel. I was on a panel with other YI authors. Yeah, YI authors. YI authors. Yours was the only book that wasn't about a psychic witch with great clothes. I love that. Wow, that's a concept right there. We could sell it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I was on a on a panel of middle grade. It's actually technically middle grade, but I find that my readership is like nine to fourteen, and then there's sort of like a leap, and it's like gay guys thirty and up. <laughs> I get more. Honestly, I get more emails from. There's like a secondary character in in the novel that's this sort of mentor to Nate, and he's he goes by the name Freckles, and he's like shirtless a lot. And um, and I get a lot of emails from gay guys saying like, oh, I have a huge crush on Freckles, which is sort of fun, in a str- in a strange way. So um, yeah, I don't know where why and why why I why why I would be today without gay readers. Like, right. where would Harry Potter be without gay readers? I, I ask know. you. That's an interesting. I think that one's rhetorical. Yeah. Are your books available as ebooks? A listener would like to know. They're super available as ebooks. I, that's, I'm super reading it as an ebook currently. Well, Are not you? not while we're on the air. I actually I stopped say. long enough to do the show. But as soon as I get you fuckers out of here, I'm going back to reading that book. Yeah, there's it's a Apple i iBook. I guess we like, <laughs> I, why iBook? Uh, why iBook? Um, um, and you know all sorts of. 
Yeah, so it's available from iTunes, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble. Just say the three. Yeah, and, 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 uh, iTunes, Amazon, yeah. and Barnes and Noble. Uh, Amazon, and, and, and the it, links are all on your our, our page. page. People, if people buy it who are listening right now through our website, we get all of the money, and you don't get any. That's so awesome. If they didn't really like this, your is interview, LA. It's, it's a, a great mean way trick. To do See, yeah, I love that. Yeah, we've been here a while. I got to know you through Twitter because you were so funny. And Thanks. I kept retweeting you, and I didn't know you had a book coming out. You just kept showing up in my timeline. I think you were following me. Were you following me? Sure, yeah. Stalking. Uh, always start with that story. No, everything on Twitter is stalking. Yeah, uh, it is. And uh, you were just hilarious. You And you Thanks, had mastered man. the art of the tweet, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. I have a hard time with know. it. I'm a novelist, so I so I don't always, you know. He's a you, novelist, You know how too. to zing them. <laughs> it's t- well, Twitter is so strange because it's like you have to do the so setup strange. and the thing and the thing all and in. And then there's nobody there to. Oh, Eric's mad again. Say, Eric's okay. mad again. No, no, it's no. like when a tree falls in a forest, uh, made into a social media. Like we're if, gonna, you just, uh, social. if you just type things and Twitter send session. them out into the world, gonna, does anybody hear them? A Twitter session later this week. You he says this all down. the time, and then it's never nothing there ever no. comes. Well, you're us. busy making cookies. Anyway, that's right. So you, were, I was telling you how funny you are on Twitter. Thanks, Christopher. Um, were you? How long have you been writing? You were dancing previously in your previous life. Are these different lives for you now? I think kind of, yeah. I mean, I think it's all the cheesy, as I said on PBS, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I think the, I think but it's all really. like a version of storytelling. You know, when you're a dancer, you're kind of telling somebody else's story through your body. Mm. Um, so I was in The Little Mermaid, so I told that story with like rollerblades. It really was, it was like really weird Rollerblades, yeah, like you a can Starlight Express kind of thing? Like that, but we... But under Closed the sea. earlier. Yeah, but it was water. <laughs> under the sea. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so writing was, I think, an extension of that. And I was always sort of the, I was the kid who got kicked out of class because I was always talking. I was sort of the class clown. And right. So I think. That's who Eric was, yeah. What, and what is he now? Uh, the cranky, non social media user? He's just, just kicking everyone else out in. of class, is what he's doing. Yeah. They just never let me back in. They're into class. tweeting I'm, too much, Sarah. I'm still out. I'm Absolutely. still out of class. Well, uh, Tim will be with us for the rest of the show, but now I understand that Jordan Ampersand is not dead, and he actually came Worst in earlier luck. this week to do a report. How did it go, Eric? Well, All right. it was I Jordan I Ampersand. How I don't do you hear. think it went? Uh, you know what? He's back on the show from a very disturbing experience. We're going to find out, and then we'll be back here at the table with Tim Federley, author of Better Nate Than Ever, and we'll also be talking about your other book, Tequila Mockingbird. Got it right twice. It's true. Absolutely. But in the meantime, here's Jordan Ampersand and Eric Jacquin. Congrats. And now, back Again, this time from Beyond the Grave. That's not funny. Not asking you what you think is funny, Jordan. Anyway, here again to deliver a special report on his alleged near-death experiences. There were no ledges involved. I was electrocuted and thrown into a swimming pool. You're making it sound like I jumped out of a window. Oh, if only. Can I just start talking? Why do you have to introduce me every time? Everyone knows me because I'm famous. Yes, I saw this morning there's now a Facebook page devoted to YouTube videos of you being tasered and thrown into a pool. They've taken to calling you Sparky. Well, my name is Jordan Ampersand. Which everyone would know if you were actually famous, which... You're not. Yes. Well, if I'm so unfamous, how come I have all these questions on my Facebook from people all over the country wanting to know about my experience? For instance... Oh, dear 
God. Chadwick Carmichaelson, star of Bareback Bellhops and his own webcam, writes thusly, Dear Jordan, I would like to know if, like most people who almost die, you returned from the afterlife with a special superpower. Uh. Well, Chadwick, I'm sorry to report that after several days of trying to levitate my RAV4 and make the hot waiter at Toast drop his shorts with my mind, the answer is, sadly, no. Oh. I did, however, return with a newfound appreciation of spiritual matters. Really? Do tell. Well, my experience has taught me that our time on Earth is very short. And I'm even shorter. So it's all Pilates from here on out because it increases muscle length and improves posture, which should, like, give me a few extra inches at least. That's very moving. Also, I'm moving because I don't need to waste my time on negative energy. And my landlady, Linda Sudabi, is totally toxic because she's like the only Persian in L.A. with no money. And she's always up in my Ex- grill Excuse about- me, doesn't Linda Sudabi own your entire apartment building? Yeah, but she wants the rent like once a month. Doesn't she have anything saved? So you can't afford your apartment? No, I'm clearing out my life of everything that isn't essential, like bills and stuff from the DMB and food that will eventually go bad. I see. No, Eric, you don't see. I mean, no offense, but if you haven't had an experience like mine, you're not in a position to judge my spirituality. Jordan, you're not actually describing anything spiritual. Spirituality is about a new way of seeing yourself in relationship to the world, being part of a cosmic fabric, if you will. It's about treating those around you in a manner that will feed your soul and make you feel like you're contributing something to the world. I don't need a lecture from you on spirituality, angry mouth. I've actually Mm. been on this path since before I was electrocuted. Have you? When I first arrived in Los Angeles with some painkillers and a dream, I encountered a very profound and spiritual book about getting what you want out of life, or as others might call it, manifesting your desires. It was called The Strategy. I see. And what did this strategy involve? Well, it said if you wanted something, you were supposed to shout your desire at the universe. Yeah, like how? Well, like if you're driving down the street and you see a really awesome house you want, you're supposed to lean your head out the window and shout, I want that house! And eventually it will be yours. I, I see. I did this work? What do you mean? Jordan, did you ever get any of those houses? No. See, I think I used the shouting strategy on so many different houses that I confused the universe oh, or something. Oh, that's a shame. LA is a really great real estate market. And man, how did the shouting strategy work on man? I'd say it was 50-50 depending on how drunk they were. I see. Again, very moving. Well, that was only part of the strategy. You were also supposed to make a board featuring pictures of all the things you wanted in your life. Yes, a vision board. I've heard that one before. Right, and then you're supposed to email a video of yourself jerking off onto the board to the guy who wrote the book. Did you do that part, Jordan? Well, after a lot of thought, I finally oh, decided... You know what? Never mind. I- I'm sorry I asked that. Uh, Jordan, you are the Dinner Party Show's critic at large, and once again, you have gone nowhere and done nothing. I almost died. Isn't that enough? You had a hallucination brought on by three solid days of doing drugs at the white party. I talked to God, and he oh. had a message for you. Oh, really? What was it? Don't wear Crocs? He said the way to spiritual peace was not through your brain. Well, that's good, because you don't have one. He also said that you should shut up. Well, if that's so important to him, then he can tell me himself. I am the 
messenger. No, you're the mess, darling. Get out before I send you back for another meeting with the Almighty. Peace be with you, angry mouth. Yeah, I got your peace right here, Sparky. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. I have been told by our sound engineer that I was not speaking into my mic for the previous hour and a half of the show. So I'm whoops. Gonna, whoops. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I am not upset. I'm just really emphatic. You're cranky. They're asking if I'm you're cranky, cranky because you have to I'm go to the bathroom cranky. again. Well, obviously, I'd just go. Okay. And our guest is Tim Federley. We have no. let him talk every now and then. Um, but we're very caffeinated. We're now back for the dessert portion we of the evening. We have a lot to say. We I have mean. a lot to say. We have questions for you from the page. Um, Deej Jones. Deej? Deej Jones. I, I have a question for Tim. Do you feel your book could relate to a segment of the population who don't identify with all that is Broadway? If so, in what way? Please give five examples. Yeah, thanks, Deej. <laughs> That's actually a really good question. And Deej I would, teaches yeah, that, like, teaches totally English. Deej. Yes. I think so. I mean, I... Um, yeah, I mean, so, so the book is definitely about a kid who, who crashes this audition for a Broadway show. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it's for, not to be sort of cheesy, but I really do think it's for sort of anybody who's had a dream or an ambition that might feel sort of bigger than them. Um, I'm, I'm actually hearing from people uh, via Twitter, Eric, don't get mad, uh, who, who <laughs> don't, don't mad even love Twitter. Broadway but are sort of into the you know, escapist part of it. So, Deej, I challenge you to uh, a, du- a duel. No, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I think it is. Wait a minute, what would a duel between you and Deej look like? Probably not arm wrestling. It would be a dance-off, right? Yeah. It would be a dance-off. Big totally. Dance-off. Get my old heels out. I got my equity card doing a production of Lacage, and I have, like, a giant nose, so that was ugly. Can you dance in heels? I mean, I could 12 years ago. By the way, who was like you, lying twenty years ago? What did you think of the restless leg dancers? Our new dance troupe. It's um, there's no one like them. Yeah, first yeah, of really, all, yeah. yeah, and they're going places. <laughs> they are. At they least, went into the light fixture. Is where they're say, going. Is into under our, the table. Our furniture and our lamps. Well, I've been wanting to get new china. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's an insurance claim waiting to happen. And don't make sure to pronounce that China, by the way, to the C-H. Absolutely. Know your audience. Um, so <laughs> I'll try to find some less confrontational questions for yeah, you. Yeah, She's Deej. like, literally, who's that guy circling the parking lot? Deej? <laughs> Deej is actually very nice. I met Deej. Oh. Deej is the first person to stop me on the street in West Hollywood about this show. Um, normally I'm stopped on the street and it's like, it's not real, you know, but Deej was like, I'm a fan of the dinner party show. And it was very sweet. So thank you, Deej. And a pleasant change of pace. And I would say to Deej that that one of the things that I'm enjoying about it, it's about being insecure, which I think is the human condition. It's about not believing in yourself or the challenge of being afraid of doing something and doing it anyway. And I think that Broadway is just a great way to depict that, but yeah, it's but just Broadway is just high experience. school with more yeah, glitter. Absolutely, that's all Broadway. Is. Hollywood is just community theater with more money. And you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's a preview of next week's rash pronouncement. <laughs> Eric's <laughs> rash pronouncement. Jesus, absolutely. It's depressing. So, um, were you uh, were you always waiting to write this book? Did you always have writing ambitions? 
Um, yeah, good question. I don't think I was always waiting, but I think I was sort of a frustrated dancer. You know, I think when you, a lot of people think of the sort of Broadway scene as very creative, um, hashtag smash. But the the <laughs> the truth is, once you get past that like five week rehearsal process and you're actually sh- doing the show, the, the idea behind Broadway, in a way, is like don't change your performance at all. You always want to hit your number and wow. hit the lights. And so it shows. It's not a complaint. It's just a reality. Which right. is a lot of Broadway is actually just trying to recreate the night's performance from, you know, when you got that laugh. So uh, so I think I don't know if this I don't know if Better Nathan ever was always sort of in me waiting to come out. But I, something was, and I think it was turning 30 for me a couple of years ago mm. that made me— um, Which has got to be scary as a dancer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess in that sort of a chorus line way, you kind of well, go, well, I wonder what I'll do now. It's like so. being any athlete, and I think it's very much an athletic pursuit. You get to a point where the younger people are coming up behind you, and they're yeah. faster and limberer and whatever. Yeah. Glenda limberer. Jackson, I think— I think it was Glenda Jackson. Does anybody in this room or no, listening to the show I even know no who that idea is? Who Glenda Jackson. Yeah, she is. made her she made her bones playing Elizabeth uh, the first mm-hmm. on everything PBS. You'd be pleased. Sure, to know. she and I um, were yeah way back. On that she show. was there. She said that the best thing that could happen to an actress was to have a hit play on Broadway, and the worst thing that could happen to an actress was to have a hit play on Broadway because if they love it then you have to do it every night. Yeah, it's the golden handcuffs of like those people who've been in Mamma Mia for a decade mm. and now they have a house in Weehawken. Right, it's great but you gotta do Mamma Mia every night for 10 yeah. years or whatever. Now, yeah. I heard that Marlon Brando was a nightmare to work with on stage because he never did the same thing. Like right. either a nightmare or either great because he kept you on your toes because I guess you couldn't no, do the that same That would be thing. a nightmare. I mean, you didn't know if I'd he was going to pick up a glass and I throw would, it across yeah. the stage. I'd push or, him into exciting. the pit. Yeah. I would push him into the pit. And there are certain stage managers who at the end of a of a night of a show, they'll actually – they'll they'll – over the loudspeaker, tell the whole cast what the time was on the show. They'll say, well, that was two hours and 12 minutes today. And those are the old school stage managers who they like call the show with a stopwatch and they don't want wow. the Brandos around. They they want, they they measure a good Broadway show as did we do the exact same thing as the yeah, night before. I think rehearsal is where you do that experimenting. And then once the show opens, the do show's the show. sad. I don't want to be surprised by somebody in a live show. I'll kill him. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but so, <laughs> so you mad. were saying so many anger. Yes. That you, one I actually am really yeah. cranky you about. You were saying that, how does that fit in with your writing ambitions? You were saying you felt frustrated by the constraints of having to do the same show every night of the week and you felt like writing was a new thing. Yeah. I mean, I think novel writing specifically is kind of about creating a whole world and being, you know, mm-hmm. the lighting designer, the director, right? the actor, you know, guys know it's creative it's, control. It, yeah. And there, and then there comes a moment depending on how long your sort of process is is that uh, eventually you show it to your agent, you get an editor if you're lucky and all that kind of stuff. But in in showbiz, at least the biz of, of dancing, you can't take a step stage left without getting 12 notes on like, you're mm. supposed to be on standing on number one. And, and so, and it's cool and it's great to be part of a collaborative kind of medium, but I think not, not being a novelist is in a way about finding someone who can help finding a publisher who can help get your sort of voice out there, but it is your voice, which mm. is, I think, so, so cool. Mm-hmm. Aside from Twitter, had you written a bunch of stuff before? Or Not was a this, ton. Did you just decide, I'm going to try my hand at this, and yeah. is this your first book? Yeah, it and is. And got it published. 
Yeah, I was really lucky. Wow. You know. Well, or maybe you're actually a really good writer. Well, thank you. There's always that possibility. It's huh? not your only book. We haven't <gasps> said much about your other Segway book. Segway alert. Tequila Which is the best title. Mockingbird. Tequila Mockingbird. Sounds like a drag name. Cocktails with a literary twist. It is, I ha- you very kindly sent me a copy, which I have I at home. It is. Um, <laughs> very kindly didn't send me one. I, you know, there was <laughs> only, we print them one at a time. <laughs> We print them one at a time. Expected us to share. <laughs> Poor writer. Um, what did Jordan Amberson call you? Angry Mouth? I heard that out of the one corner of my Can't, I'm, I'm loving that everybody has decided that I'm the angry one yeah. tonight. Everybody else is just a little ray of sunshine we're, and a slice of joy. We're all angry at the dinner party show. Right? I love I'm angry because I saw a dingo on the way over here and nobody did anything about it. But anyway, back Speaking to you, Tim. Speaking of Meryl Streep. Speaking, I know. Right. It all comes together in the fourth act. All of it at the dinner party show. <laughs> That's how it works. Where were you making up drink recipes based on books your whole life, and you just decided to put them together into kid. one volume? Were you that kid? <laughs> no, I mean the real the real story is so so I I'd, we had sold better Nate than ever to Simon and Schuster, and then I wrote to my um, literary agent and I said, do you think the sort of anthropology Urban Outfitters crowd would go for a cocktail recipe? Book called Tequila Mockingbird, um, and she wrote back and said, "I don't know. Let's write, you know, write a proposal. Let's see if we can sell it." So I think I kind of this all happened really fast. The book just came out now, um, but it, it it all came out of the idea that I just didn't want to repeat myself. So I kind of wanted to try something so different from young adult fiction that you this actually literally need your ID to read it. Different, yeah, this it's is a, very different. Alcohol, yeah. So yes, yeah, so it is. It's like, um, "Are you there, God? It's me, Margarita, mm-hmm. Last of the Mojitos." Yeah. It's every grown-worthy pun until you, you eventually you just have to drink so that the puns... So that the, the puns roll off you. Roll what are you doing you. to promote it aside from coming Being on the drunk. dinner party show? Being drunk. This is it. This is our lunch. We couldn't get you to drink tonight, though. I know, because that's, you know, I'm an, I'm an enigma. I'm a five foot seven enigma, <laughs> or five, five foot, foot nine, seven. depending on what listeners five think. Foot seven enigma. Or if he's on the manhunt site. <laughs> hey, hey, my boyfriend's at a dinner party right now. So, um, <laughs> so what the hell? Is, is your boyfriend here in L.A. with you, or did he stay in New York? He's in New York. Oh, my boyfriend's okay. in New York right now. Brian, right. my sweet Brian, my sweet Brian. He's Tim he's said crying. <laughs> um, he, I'm sure he's listening because we're live. Right? We are live. Brian, all over the world. Was it Brian who said that I had a nice voice? Uh, all of them are saying that you're sexy and have a nice voice. Guys. They all think you are. In fact, they're guys. accusing us of only booking good-looking guests. And okay. what would be wrong with that? I'll say, I don't well, know. That you're a radio show. There's an opportunity in radio I to still book not good-looking people. <laughs> Eric, I'm not listening deep. to this on the radio. <laughs> True. <laughs> I got to take a picture with these fools after the show. That's we right. Never, we got to remember to actually post some of those pictures. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to, you know, and I have an older brother who is sort of a cocktail enthusiast. And so... Yeah, I wanted to write something, you know, something for both my nephew and my brother. <laughs> so there's the kids' book, and now there's an alcohol. And now you're covered. Now yeah. the hell with the family. Exactly. exactly. What is your personal favorite recipe included in Tequila Mockingbird? If you had to pick one, and you do have to pick one, so don't ask me if you have to pick one. I mean, are you there, God? It's me, Margarita. Cracks me up. <laughs> Isn't that nice? I'm mm-hmm. reacting to my own work. Because I love Judy Bloom. And I love margaritas, and it's a super simple margarita that you can make at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one uh, tickles me. And and um, Lord of the Mai Tais <laughs> is kind of delish, and it's a Mai Tai, as you would guess. Now, is that supposed to be Which a take on Lord of the Flies or Lord of the Rings? I, flies, just because okay. it rhymes twice. Fly flies. I think Mai Tais taste like baby aspirin. 
Is that a blurb for my book? Yeah. It's a blurb for Mai Tais. No, not your Mai Tais. I, I think Mai Tais. I was never a fan of Mai Tais. I always thought they tasted like baby aspirin, which was... That sounds delicious to me. Really? Everything baby or kid related. I was recently, I recently had food poisoning, oh. which is great for a dinner party conversation. Yes, let's talk about it. Let's and just talk to about get the, getting to get the stomach Her without right a Right before Hollywood. Yeah, I which is really helpful. We are raging Good gay plan. cliches. Okay. Yeah, no, but anyway. I, I, I uh, had food poisoning, and, and the doctor uh, was like... Tim, he said, um, <laughs> he said, he said, drink Pedialyte, and so I Oof. took Pedialyte home, bought it a drink, and then I and I chugged it, and it's delicious. Like I'm back on the baby aspirin thread. If we've lost people, like on Did the one on one, spike it? Did you add no? Like, I just like to the drank Pedialyte? it straight, and it was delicious. Should come up with a Pedialyte cocktail. Wait a minute. So That's, you were no. supposed this was your source of nutrition while you were sick? Yeah, the Pedialyte. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I see it in the. It store. tastes like mil- melted popsicles in the greatest mm. possible way. Oh, so Bailey's maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. What? Yeah, you're already thinking of what booze you're going to mix the pedia. Yeah, you're creme doing seven oh one. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> oh, anyway, so um, so you were and you have a book coming out. And oh, I don't mean don't to point, to talk but I am excited because you can pre-order. We don't have to talk about my first supernatural thriller, The Heavens Rise, which is available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and Noble through a link in our store. We don't have to talk about that. You're all. turning purple. We don't have to talk about that. I turn purple for most of the show. It's uh, it's like it's my oompa loompa look. Yeah, that's your special. Everyone yeah, needs it's a special, a special skill, skill in West Hollywood. Yeah. That's yeah. what it said that's on my his... superpower. You know Christopher Rice. He's that purple writer. He's very. He's all about the purple prose. It's on the back of his headshot. <laughs> the purple just turns purple. We're talking skills. about erotica. Off his skin. We were talking about. Are you ever going to write an erotica? I'm. I'm. I say nothing. <laughs> I'm not admitting anything. You're I did admitting. used to go to the Barnes and Noble, which is uh, for our younger listeners, a bookstore. <laughs> And I used to um, I used to read penthouse letters to the editor, and I would stick it in. Um, what would he stick it in? The audience wondered. Mm-hmm. I would stick it in like a boy's life or something because I was a kid. I should yes. say I was a kid, and so I would sit in the stacks and I would read these like pervy letters mm-hmm. stuck into a magazine. And every now and then, penthouse letters would do a gay version, a full on gay male version. It was like, whoa, penthouse letters, go penthouse letters. Um, I didn't have to do that because my mom was writing the stuff, so it was in my house. She's known for that. Yeah, and she had friends who were writing the stuff. She had a friend named John Preston, who was a famous uh, gay writer, who unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, died of AIDS in the mid-90s, but he had done a lot of collections of, of gay erotica that were in the house, and I remember finding those yeah, and reading them. totally. But You, know, you had I, such a great childhood. I really did. Such a great childhood. Such a great childhood. The rest of us were sneaking into Barnes & Noble. Right. I was lucky them. to have a television. <laughs> totally. What <laughs> listeners don't know is Eric's 104. That's and right. well preserved. Uh, next next July. Eric Beautifully preserved. his true age live on the dinner party show. <laughs> Yeah. The point I was going to make is that I still had that hang-up that, that, that you had a version of it because I would go to a different light. Remember a different light? Also a bookstore. Sure. Also listeners. a bookstore. The one here in West Hollywood. When I lived here originally, I lived in Studio City. Say it. Mm-hmm. Studio, Studio City. City. I love Studio City. Anyway, I would drive over the hill. I was not of age to go to bars, which didn't stop me at all in New Orleans. Or to drive, which is exciting. But it stopped me here. And I would go to a different light, and I would buy erotic magazines but then I would feel like I needed to send a statement to the clerk that I had substance so I would just toss a copy of A Death in Venice on there or some Giovanni's Room or and I would, dildo uh, no, no <laughs> dildo that's not the kind of substance I have the, um, anyway 
And so I would come home with, you know, five issues Still of Blue worried about Boy and think. four copies of Giovanni's. What am I going to do with yeah. all this Giovanni's room? I know what I'm going to do with the other stuff. So if we you received a, a copy yeah. of, of, at Christmas from Christopher <laughs> of Giovanni's room totally. or Death in Venice, you'll know how he came to purchase That's it his originally. Fruit cake. That's his Absolutely. version of a fruitcake. Literally. So what's your favorite porn? No, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I thought since we were Are you there, spiraling, God, it's me, Margaret. spiraling in that direction. Wow. So, so, so what's next for Tim Fetterly? Oh, what a good question. I think next I go back to my Brian. Um, and Tell us about your Brian. He's so sweet and cute. He's a business school boy. Oh, All right, that's enough. We're both smart. single. Smart. Good for you. Yeah. We're, we're about to have our, our two-year anniversary in July. Mm. So we're a toddler. We're walking and talking. Excellent. Cool. And, uh, Terrible twos. And, and I have a sequel to Better Nate Than Ever called 567-Nate. Oh, cool. Excellent. Like half your listeners just drove off the road. But, uh... Only puns is my idea. So that's that's kind of what <laughs> the book is only going to be it's puns. A, oh, it's a b- big ah. poem. No, it's not true. It's like that's the not, haiku of punditry. It's a long form pun. Not true. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's next. I've got the sequel coming out, and then um, you know, film the film of Better Nate Than Ever. Absolutely. Shooting. Just not sure when. Are you still working in theater at all? Yeah, uh, some. I would. I'd love. I would love to get back to back to Broadway. But right now, writing is keeping me so busy, and I'm really enjoying it. That's so. great. Right. Yeah. That's really lucky. But there's nothing like it. I mean, it's sort of, I think when you're out here, there are things about New York you miss. And when you're in New York, everything about L.A. you miss in terms of the weather and all that sort of generic <laughs> crap. But, you know, when I left New York a week and a half ago, it was like 35 degrees. So yeah. what listeners can't see is that I have a bright red forehead from being outside no, yesterday. It's don't. true. You have Southern California color. Yeah, that always Thank happens you. at book festival. It's always like the hottest weekend. I mean, the Los Angeles Times Book Festival, which you attended, and the West Hollywood Book Fair, which is a great book festival yes, as it well. Is. It is always a billion degrees. Yeah, the hottest day it's a billion, ever been trillion in Los degrees. Angeles. It's with, always during the Hollywood Book it Festival. Literally, literally it literally was, it was the it's hottest 117 day. degrees. It's <laughs> never that kind I of was hot interviewing is. the man who created Columbo. Who, and we thought it was going to kill and him. And he He's was about in his 90. mid to late 80s and bless his heart, he was a trooper mm-hmm. and he got up on that stage. We sweat was just pouring down our we faces. We were terrified. Yeah. We were but, so afraid he was going to die. You know, his die. wife was there, and she was kind of amazing. And she would, if he went quiet for like 30 seconds, kind of like us interviewing, she would just start talking about him from the audience. Like, she kept it going as we were sort <laughs> of Tell them about so-and-so. Tell Ask about such and such. That was Elaine yeah. Stritch. I saw Elaine Stritch. You know, Elaine Stritch <laughs> just had her final week. Let's only talk gay stuff. But yes. um, football, football. And so Elaine Stritch, I saw her final thing at the Cafe Carlisle in New York. And, you know, she's a woman of certain stature and age and it was her sort of final thing and she would forget certain uh, anecdotes but she did this brilliant thing where she passed around a fishbowl with cue cards with these stories and the audience would pull out a story and go my date with the Kennedys and then Elaine Stritch was like on doing her yeah, act. Right. It was really fantastic. that's a great idea it's a great fantastic. idea we should do that here guys we totally should well Tim Fetterly this has been wonderful thank you for joining us at the dinner party Thanks, show guys. and if you enjoyed listening to Tim you can read his books all of them are available through our website absolutely through our affiliate links, affiliate links, affiliate links, uh, which we covered in our 40-minute promo that happened earlier in the show about technical stuff. Right. But enough about that. Tim, thank you for being here. Keep we look guys. forward to your next book. We're going to ask you to stick around so we can take a photograph with you after the Sweet. show. We've got a little business to take care of. And so now get out. it's time, <laughs> as soon as Tim gets out, it's time for Best Served Warm. And now, in keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make the Dinner Party Show what it is. Best served warm. 
Tanya Lee Musgrave, travel consultant for the Dinner Party Show. You haven't heard much from me lately because I'm sick of y'all calling me a xenophobe just because I'd rather deal with the purse thieves in my hometown of Dallas, Texas. But today I'm here to ask you a question. Are you tired of the way other places smell? Are you sick of being forced to vacation in places that smell like old mothballs and old piles of Chinese food? Well, considering that it's springtime, I've been giving a lot of thought to my nose and your nose too. Cause with springtime comes allergies. Medical experts read on the internet at some point by the ladies of Mama Walking Group all agreed that our system can build up a tolerance to certain allergens if we're exposed to them on a regular basis over time. Such as the flowers or long cuttings on your own block or the dander from your widowed friend's one-eyed chihuahua. However, the sudden exposure to an unfamiliar allergen can cause a dramatic reaction on the part of our systems. In other words, if you go too far from home and smell something weird, you could die. So keep that in mind the next time your friend or family member tries to get you to pay a visit to that open sewer they call Europe. I'm Tanya Lee Musgrave, and this is Best Served Warm. Travel safe, y'all. party show in the short time we have left eric shaw quinn would like to answer a question there's one question that was directed at me john scott yes i am that eric shaw quinn with the townhouse in five points and the wild parties and the whatever read back in the feed on the facebook page if you want to know what i'm talking about but i just felt like i should say there is only one eric shaw quinn in the world and i'm still wait a minute there's only one eric shaw quinn in the world i don't know that's what i think hmm I don't have actual empirical data to I'll support find that. Another but Eric Shawquin. There luck. are four Christopher Rices in West Hollywood, and we're going to have to ask one of them to leave because that's one or two too many. Anyway, we have a whopping one minute, and we want to thank everybody for listening tonight, and we want to thank our guest Tim Federley thank for coming. Thank you so in. much, Tim. That was really fun and lovely. A little Broadway diversion here in Hollywood. We forget all absolutely the, fun the, the live theater, the legitimate theater. Indeed. And next week we have two authors who will be with us: Leslie Klinger, who is one of the world's foremost 
foremost experts on Sherlock Holmes. He is the author of the annotated Sherlock Holmes Can't as well wait. as the annotated Dracula, which is the vampire other than Lestat. And uh, we will also have Janet Fitch, who wrote the book White Oleander, which was an Oprah book club book uh, pick. Excuse me, <laughs> book club pick. Why I fiction? Why? And was made into a movie with Michelle Pfeiffer. She'll be here to talk about her most recent book and the book she's working on, which is about Russia. Excellent. Excellent. So it's part of the Dinner Party Show's continuing festival of books. Absolutely. So that's it for us tonight. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks.